Hello, this is Tim Rosenberger with BrassTenor.com. Today is Monday, August 7th, 2017. This is episode 47, Recruitment and Retention in the Band Program. Of all of the workshops, clinics, articles, and conversations that I've had over the years there are few that are near and dear to my heart than recruitment when it comes to music students. Many years ago, actually going all the way back to my third year of teaching, I had an amazing superintendent who trusted me to fix issues that were going on in the band program in my school district. And I quickly realized, just through a lot of trial and error, exactly how big the issues were and wanted to share the problems that I encountered with other educators so hopefully we can all learn and be the better for it. For some of you that are listening today, this is a session that might be long overdue, and there are going to be some concepts and methods that you either haven't heard before, or they might be just great refreshers for you. The idea here is to hopefully take at least one thing from this session and be able to incorporate it into your situation. I'm not going to have all the answers. I don't try to act like I do. I try to give you as many situations and scenaria that could be present in your schools or your school districts. So without further ado, let's talk first about issues in recruitment and retention. And before I get into that, I also want to say if you would like information on this particular topic, please reach out to me. I've done so many workshops on this. I have tons of packets of information, whether it has to do with forms to send to the students, forms to send to parents, videos that you can share. The list goes on and on. So please don't hesitate to contact me uh, through Twitter at Brass Tenor or through my website at BrassTenor.com. Here are various issues that we're going to encounter when it comes to recruitment and retention in any instrumental music program. And for, but for these purposes, we're going to focus on band. The need for new ideas to implement into your district's recruitment process. You might have an issue with unbalanced instrumentation throughout the entire instrumental music program in your district. You might be here because you're having a problem with low brass. You don't have enough players. You could have a percussion issue where you have too many players or ones who have poor time-space relation. You could be in a district with a popularity, an image issue with the band in relation to sports or other activities. And even in this day and age, you're up against academics. 
You could have students that don't want to continue on their chosen instrument at various grade levels for a variety of reasons. And then just overall parental support for the band program. When I was promoted to my position back in my third year of teaching, administration specifically asked me to focus on one main area, recruitment. You have to be that beacon of light. You have to be that person that gets kids excited about being part of the program. I think one way that I've changed so much over the years is to make it clear to kids, especially in elementary school, that your lives are going to get busier and you're going to have more opportunities to do more things when you're in middle school and high school. But when they're in elementary school, some of those things, I'll take, for instance, let's take basketball as a sport. You play it in, uh, you could be in, perhaps on a traveling team. Uh, there could be a, an advanced team that has kids that have uh, really, really advanced talent levels from various towns on one team. Or you could just have a, a recreation team or even a school team. Now, you'll have that at the younger grades. As we move into middle school and then specifically high school, if you're going to focus on basketball, you really have to put a lot more emphasis into that particular area. Maybe even make a decision of basketball over another sport. Whereas when you were younger, you may have dabbled in four or five or six different sports with lots of different types of activities. So it's really important that we understand and we make it crystal clear to kids that playing an instrument at a young age is a great thing to do because there are going to be kids that they're going to realize they they don't have the athleticism and band or orchestra might be their thing. So it's really key to get kids excited about it. That's one of the first things whenever people ask me, what do you do for recruitment? My thing is I want to get kids excited. I want to educate them on the instruments, but have them salivating to have the opportunity to play an instrument and to be part of that entire team. Now, before you do recruitment, you need to consider the following. And these are things that you should be asking yourself. And you can ask yourself these questions, but you can also ask them to parents and ask them to, you know, ask, ask your kids or even ask kids that might be in high school. That's a, a good idea to get a barometer of what they're thinking is like. Where and when did you choose your first instrument and why? Now, for me, I had made the decision in third grade that I wanted to play that metal instrument with that thing that went back and forth. I think it was called a slide. I didn't know what the name of the instrument was. Somewhere along the way, I 
there was some t- something that m- must have broken down with <laughs> it could have been me i i can blame myself for this a- and it may have been uh the fact that i had different music teachers each year i didn't have the same music teacher every single year so that could have had something to do with it but i thought that thing was called the trumpet and it was very embarrassing for me because when my mom went out and bought well she rented a trumpet for me I was too embarrassed to say anything that I really actually wanted to play the trombone. So for me, when, where and when did I choose my first instrument and why? I really wanted to play the trombone. I wound up with the trumpet, was too embarrassed to say anything, and wound up playing the trumpet as I was growing up. Other things to consider. How are you going to promote and present your program to younger students? Ask students in high school if you have that ability what was the, were there certain things that that they remember as younger students that inspired them to play their instruments you need to also recognize the instrumentation needs of the current program from elementary through high school does your high school have a marching band does your high school have a, a, a the desire to have a marching band Are there expectations that you have by an administrator or or someone else or just the parents in the town to have specific type of instrumentation? That's really key. You need to find out about important information for the incoming students. Now, if you're going to be starting students, uh, New Jersey, for instance, a lot of districts will start students in fourth grade. There are pluses and minuses to that, and I'm not going to get into that today. But there are many other districts that will wait until fifth grade. And then I know in the Midwest, it's very common to wait until sixth grade. Whatever the grade is, it's a very good idea to find information about the the upcoming students, their musical aptitude, their academic achievement, discipline issues, special needs, Anything that you need to know about these kids, that's critical because the more information that you have, the better you're going to be able to recruit students and steer those students, hopefully in the right direction and make the entire program just a better experience for everyone. And then the other thing that's really key, make sure to always educate the parents as well as the students throughout the process. When a student goes home and tells dad that he wants to play the baritone, most parents are not going to have a clue as to what that instrument is. And if you haven't at least said, well, it's a mini tuba, if you haven't at least said that to the child they're they're not going to have a clue and that's not their fault in through my experience over the years i've just found that a lot of parents don't they may know the names of the instruments but they don't always know the name of the instrument in relation to what it looks like or what it sounds like so 
in 2017, we can certainly educate parents. There are so many videos out there. I know that the military, the, the army bands in particular, have come out with terrific videos that are kid-friendly, that are parent-friendly, highly informational, engaging, fun. And there are so many others that are out there. But some of the things that the militaries, uh, that they've released on YouTube have been great in recent years. Okay, the recruiting process, an introduction to the band instruments. This is, again, just one approach. It's not the be-all, end-all. How are you going to introduce the band instruments? Well, the band director can make personal visits to the students in their classrooms or organize a small assemb assembly towards the end of the school year when, uh, prior to when the, school, the school year that the students are going to begin. What am I trying to say here? Well, you, you want to do the assembly or the demonstration probably about, I would say, two months, about a month or two months before the end of the school year for the students who are going to have the opportunity to play the following year. Now, you might be the only music teacher in your school. So that's going to be on you as the general music teacher to make that happen. Otherwise, hopefully you can work with administration and get the person who is in charge of the program to come in, opportunity for the students to meet that person, to connect with that person, and you can maybe even do some team teaching to introduce uh, the band instruments, even if you've already done it. It's a completely new thing when someone else is now in the room. Your role, whoever it is that's going to be coming and do the demonstration, is you are a salesperson. You are trying to sell a product here. You are trying to sell students on all the reasons that they should be in band, that they should be playing an instrument. You want to have a brief discussion about the positive aspects of playing in a band from elementary school to high school. Mention a marching band. I know that one thing that I would mention was the fact that when I was in high school, I marched in the Macy's Day Thanksgiving Parade. And I would mention that. It doesn't mean that they're going to, but it will conjure up a memory. Oh, that's what a marching band is, because they have probably seen that parade before. A demonstration of as many instruments as possible with particular attention to the ones that are lesser known. Whatever those instruments are uh, that people do not know the names as well, or they may not even know what they look like, you certainly want to demonstrate those. Now, with that said, if you're not going to be teaching the bassoon, then don't demonstrate the bassoon for this particular assembly. There's nothing wrong with doing that type of demonstration, but for these purposes, it's really not, it's not as important because we're trying to focus on what they're going to be able to play now. You need to dismiss the preconceived notion of gender-specific instruments. There are so many kids that think that a flute is a girl instrument, that a trombone is a boy instrument. You need to make it clear 
that there's no such thing. Many children will select an instrument by gender specifics, but they will also make that decision based on what their friends are doing. And my simple answer to that, that, that's an easy thing to tackle. If a student ever says anything at all about, you know, well, I want to play this, the, the flute because uh, Jenny and Mary and Jennifer and Michelle are playing the flute as well. And they're in my class. Well, if you're in a really small school, there may only be one or one class for a grade. But in a lot of schools, a lot of elementary schools, there are several classes and the deck gets shuffled each year. And the thing I say to kids is, well, you know, the people that are in your class right now that are your really close friends may not be next school year. You may have different people in your class. So don't make the decision based on what other people are doing. Do what you want to do. And even after that speech, some of them will still choose it because they want to have a friend in class, someone who's a familiar face. You want to show students the cases of the instruments. This is key because... I have always had this massive amount of interest in the saxophone. And it's not that we don't want saxophone players, and I'm not hating on the saxophone right now. The saxophone's a heavy instrument to carry. That is, that, that instrument, you just can't slice it or dice it. There's no mini saxophone. It is what it is. It's a heavy instrument for a 10-year-old. And for them to be lugging it back and forth to school. So, quite frankly and quite honestly, if you have been able to identify kids who may not have the best motor skills and would be more successful candidates on another instrument, but they have their heart set on the saxophone and you have a feeling in the back of your mind, you know what, they'd probably be better with another instrument, have them hold the saxophone case. Just have them hold it. That might be the reason right there that they decide not to play the instrument. Now, something like the flute, of course, is highly desired because it's such a light case. In the situation that I was in years ago, students who played the larger instruments, trombones, euphoniums, tubas, they, we had enough instruments in the school where they did not have to bring the cases back and forth. All they had to do was keep an instrument at home school instrument at home or a rented instrument at home, use the instrument that was provided at school and simply bring their mouthpiece back and forth. That can be a great way to sell low brass. Simple as hold up a mouthpiece and say, there's the lightest instrument. And a little thing will ding in their brain and say, wow, that is really cool. I don't have to lug a case back and forth. Maybe I'll try that instrument out. And then of course, it's important that you explain the instrument selection process to the children. You will hopefully have an opportunity to allow the students to try different musical instruments. Some schools will do something called a, uh, an instrument petting zoo, 
where they get to feel the instruments, look at the instruments up close, be able to hear someone play. Uh, I've gone back and forth, and I know that a lot of other instructors have gone back and forth with the, the idea of allowing the kids to play the instruments. The problem you run into there, it has to do with, quite honestly, the, the sanitary issue. Um, and I remember one year I did this with one of my colleagues. We wanted to fix our low brass issue. We had a small number of low brass students uh, for two straight years, and we wanted to fix that. And we had every single kid in the grade, and I'm talking 250 kids, try out a low brass instrument. Well, you, you, it's not rational to think you're going to be able to come up with 250 mouthpieces. So you had to do have the mouthpieces and then rinse them and sanitize them, and it became a massive production. And it, it was... Great that the kids got to try it out, but boy, that was a that was a really really time intensive, and I I remember that we really could have done a lot of other things to get the kids excited than actually playing the instruments. Believe it or not, there are a lot of other things that we could have just done with our own words and uh, just a demonstration of the instruments rather than having them play and in some cases not even be able to get a sound at all. Uh, you definitely want to give strong consideration to a large assembly during the day or during the evening or both for students and or parents to attend. Of course you want the students to be there. They're the ones that are going to be playing the instruments, not the parents. But to educate the parents, it's not a bad idea. And if you have an administration that's going to allow you to do assemblies, especially towards the end of the school year, where in a lot of districts uh, state testing might be finished... Go for it. Hopefully they'll give you the opportunity to have a demonstration of the instruments, whether it's by you, whether it's by your own school ensemble, uh, maybe a school band, even kids that are playing in their first year, for them to play uh, some Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, kids will think that they're listening to the New York Philharmonic. The performance can be by your School band, you could also bring in professionals from the outside. I know that there are a lot of music stores who will work out rental agreements, and part of that is to uh, provide a demonstration uh, for all the students in the school and also uh, a, a demonstration that can be done in the evening. The, the one thing that you run into, and it depends on the town, but when you do an evening demonstration, you're going to inevitably have people that are going to be excluded. Quite simply, kids and families that can't show up. And it, there's, there is an unfairness involved with that because some kids are going to get to experience that and their, fa their, their families and others will not. Whereas if you do it in school, chances are all kids are going to have, have a chance to be exposed to that information. Let's talk about percussion for a moment before we get into ways that we are going to recruit. Your percussion classes have, you have to have some type of cap on the number of students you're going to accept into the program. Now, if you have a small school, you're probably not going to run into this issue. In my situation, I, I was dealing with a grade, a third grade going into the fourth grade where it was nearly 300 students. And I remember my first year, I had like 
30 kids that wanted to play percussion. It was a disaster because I had kids that had all different types of issues with with their their timing. They didn't have a st good steady beat. Their motor skills weren't good. They, a lot of kids didn't want to play mallets, mallet instruments at all. It was not a fun first year, and I learned very quickly from that. So here are some things to consider for kids who want to play percussion. First off, cap the size in relation to the band program. In my situation, our, our typical band recruitment per year, we had approximately out of a, a grade of 250 to 300 students, approximately 150 played in the band program each year. Sometimes more, sometimes less. With a program that large, you absolutely do not want to exceed 12 percussionists. Why? It's very unlikely that the 12 you start with at the beginning of the year are the same 12 you're going to end with. Kids inevitably may switch instruments. They decide they don't want to play the instrument any longer. 12 often will become, by the end of the year, 8 or 9. And then as you go into later years, will eventually become 5 or 6 or possibly less. And hopefully, you'll get some talented ones from that bunch. I would recommend, if you're going to do choices and allow children to make selections where they have to put down two or three choices, which I'm going to get into a little bit later. Have percussion be the first choice. They have to put it down as their first choice if they really want it, rather than putting it down second or third. If they want another instrument instead of percussion, then I would be inclined to give them that instrument as opposed to testing them out for percussion, unless you know that the child has exceptional time. Make sure that students who do put it down as their first choice, if you decide to go in that direction, that they strongly consider their second choice. Make that a big deal. Make sure that they know as they're listening that percussion is specialized, and here's why it's going to be specialized. You are going to do rhythm testing on percussionists. I feel so strongly about this. Uh, I'm not going to get into the different type of rhythm testing that you're going to do, to get a, an idea of how steady their beat is and, again, what their motor skills are like. This is the type of testing where they don't need to have any previous experience. But if you've been, you're the only teacher in the school, you should already have a good idea of the kids and what their rhythm testing is like. And, again, if you have questions on ways to do rhythm tests, please feel free to reach out to me and I'll be happy to provide those to you. Also make it really clear that mallets are a part of playing percussion. They're going to be getting a bell kit as opposed to a drum kit. No parent wants to be sitting at home listening to a kid pound on a snare drum. Great way to get an instant migraine. <laughs> uh, I always encourage teachers to go with a bell kit. Now you can, of course, I'm going to hear teachers that are going to say to me, well, yes, bells can really kill the, the ears as well. That's a fair point. Uh, with, with practicing bells, you can just certain, certainly use, at least use the back of the mallets and the sticks against the bells at least will take away some of that pain.
There are other people who have been able to do other things where they'll have the students get a drum pad and then uh, like a, a small marimba. I've seen things like that. Uh, there are different ways to approach it. I think that the key thing the students need to understand is that mallet instruments are part of this. Playing auxiliary percussion is part of this. And most importantly, make sure that kids know that drum set lessons are not part of the program. Now, you might teach drum set later, but you're not going to be teaching it in the first year to the beginning percussionist. Okay. After you have done your selection process, you're going to need to, and the reason that you want to do this in May or June, instead of waiting until the start of the school year, it's going to allow you more time. Quite frankly, you could do the selection process towards the end of the school year, and if you don't have a district where uh, the turnover is great over the summer, uh, and it's a transient community. If you're in a community where uh, the kids tend to uh, they they tend to stay in that town for a long period of time, or for quite honestly their entire uh, uh, entire life, uh, what I would say is you might even want to consider doing the recruitment at the end of the school year. Don't tell anybody, and then in September, give them the information. That gives you the entire summer, if you are crunched for time. A lot of kids do want to get their answer, but at least towards the end of the year, and I would try to do that concert before all of this, if possible. Try to do it maybe in early May, if you can. Do your spring concert then, so then you can focus on this uh, component of your program, and uh, an important one it is. One advantage of having the students do or uh, do the instrument process and find out the instruments prior to leaving for the summer is uh, they, they're going to know the instrument and they might want to consider taking lessons over the summer. Perhaps your school district has a summer music program where kids can start instruments early. Or they may want to take lessons with a private instructor, someone that you could recommend. The selection process itself. Here are the things that you're going to strongly consider. And again, I have all these forms available. Students should be making at least two instrument selections in case that certain classes fill up quickly. And this is how one way that I've done it. One of the best ways to find out if a child is going to be responsible enough to play an instrument will simply come through by how quickly they get that form back to you. If a child waits a full week to return the form to you, more often than not, that person is not always going to be the best candidate for an instrument. Because if a child is that forgetful, and this is not the most important thing on his or her mind to return a form that you've clearly said that you want back right away, that is going to be a big red flag and a potential indicator that 
things may not wind up working out for that child no matter what instrument is assigned. The reality is that all instrumental music programs have, have to have a little bit of a survival of the fittest type of mentality, a Darwinism, where the chances of you having 100% retention through the years, it's just unlikely. It's just, it's, it's so rare. And you don't want kids to be on instruments where they're unhappy, but you also don't want kids on instruments when they're not practicing, they're not putting in the time that they need to. So, with the recruitment process, when you pass out your forms, be sure that kids who are turning in their forms on the first day, they should usually be rewarded with that instrument. Even if you can see that the size of their lips is going to pose issues for a particular instrument, or they might be really small in stature, and they want to play a big instrument. You know, you'd be surprised. Where there's a will, there's a way. I've had uh, females, I've had these little girls who've wanted to play the euphonium or even the tuba and have been really successful. And I've had other kids who probably would have been great at those big instruments, but they really wanted to play flutes. More often than not, there, where there's a will, there's a way, and if kids are motivated enough, even if they don't become the best on that instrument, or there might be an instrument that might be better suited to them, you have to remember, this is what they want to do right now. And you can't force something on them that they don't want to do, no matter how what best interests you have in mind for that child. You have to consider that, that piece of the puzzle. So consider doing a first come, first served way of assigning the instruments. Make sure that students know there are no 100% guarantees unless they're instruments and that you really want students to play. French horn, for instance, we just don't get many of those. Why? The instrument looks strange. Uh, the instrument is very bulky in terms of holding the, just holding the thing. The case looks very, very strange. It's also really expensive to rent. So for something like French horn, whenever a kid would put down French horn as their number one choice, I would never give them their second or third choice because that's what they want. And uh, that should be an absolute guarantee. Uh, more often than not, that'll be the case with low brass instruments too. Be specific about a cap on other classes. Besides percussion, another class that you often will want to cap is saxophone. Uh, the last thing that you want is a program where 35 kids are starting on the saxophone. I had it once a year, w once, and we wound up, I think when that class was in eighth grade, we had something insane like 24 saxophones just in that one grade it was a nightmare because it was so hard to balance it with the band so you may want to think about a cap on certain types of of classes okay so i've covered the main part of the recruitment process uh what you will want to do is after this is all finished you're going to also need to uh, consider 
how the instruments are going to be dis distributed to the students. Do you have enough instruments in your school music program to distribute enough for each child? You might be in a lucky situation. Most districts don't have that available to them. Uh, I know that a lot of districts, uh, the students will rent instruments from outside music stores and you'll have to work with your administration to figure out how you want to do that. Do you want one store to be exclusive in your district to service all the instruments and service all the students and families? Or do you want to give the, um, the opportunity of two or more stores? I wouldn't, wouldn't go crazy pushing six different stores. That's where things can get a little nuts. But usually uh, there will be districts will prefer uh, to they're usually pretty firm on this. They will want one store to be exclusive for whatever reason or to at least have a second option available. In the districts where I've usually been, there are two stores that are available as options. Uh, usually if you have two different stores, though, one store will not. Neither store will be uh, want to do a demonstration because if they're not getting your exclusive business, that's for obvious reasons. They're not going to spend that kind of time uh, on your, your district. Uh, other things to consider doing and working on with your administration. No matter what, at the back-to-school night that tends to happen within the first two to three weeks of school, ask your administrator if you're able to do a back-to-school night specifically for, for parents and families who are going to have children playing instruments. This is critical, really, really important to do this because this is going to be your one opportunity where you have these adults in front of you and you can educate them. I don't know why, but in 2017... People are simply not reading emails, not reading uh, information that's going home, not reading anything. And then I inevitably will get uh, contacted by a parent. We don't know where to get the instrument from. Uh, we don't know what's the book that my child needs. And you've provided this information six times in all different types of forms short of smoke signal. And the parents still don't have the information for whatever reason, perhaps because we're just in, in a, a time now where there's just social media and um, just overload, I think. I think that that's probably the best way to, uh, to put it. If you have kids at the beginning of the school year who you know um, have special needs or special education students or particular accommodations need to be made, you have to... Uh, be in touch with their parents and talk with them, make things real with them that, you know, your child, based on what you are aware of for their child, that they're, uh, they, you know, they, the child may be encountering some types of issues. I've found that these phone calls go a really long way. The parents always appreciate it and... It shows how much you care about the child, that you have their best interests in mind, and to understand that it may not work out, but at least we're giving it a try. And I think that's that's something that every uh, parent wants for their child, is to be able to have an opportunity to try and give it a shot. Uh, 
it's so important in terms of uh, retaining your students after they've finally settled into their groups. Just different things to do to to retain students and different retention techniques. Uh, you want to be in touch with parents. Don't overload them with information. That's a mistake that I made early in my career. I, I would contact parents almost too often to the point where I think it got to be annoying where they're hearing from the teacher too much. But I think to just check in with the parents every once in a while is great. Shows that you shows them that you care, and then they're going to know, and you can put it in there to make sure that they should contact you at any time. Then the, the, uh, the door is open, and hopefully they'll take you up on that offer. If a, a student is struggling really, really badly, or you're noticing that they're not practicing enough, uh, I would certainly make a phone call home. After, if you've addressed it with the student and the, the behavior and the situation hasn't changed. You want to have a positive interaction with students beyond the music when you're in class. Yes, I know that we're very pressed for time. We're always pressed for time. But you want to have that serious side, but you also want to have fun when you're teaching and convey this to your students. If you're able to team teach with any of your colleagues when it comes to instrumental music, do it. There is something about kids in any type of class, an instrument class, whether it's a large band or a small group, whatever the situation may be, if you can team teach with a colleague, kids love it. It goes such a, a long way. And if you do not specialize on an instrument and you've got someone out there who does and they you make a special visit where that person comes in, there might be a professional clarinet player and teaches your clarinets for a day, those kids will never forget, forget that experience and will be so appreciative that you did this for them. If students are losing interest in their instruments, you want to assess the situation. Sometimes it's best to let the student drop out. And people are sometimes shocked by that. I think the other thing is so critical. Kids often will think that they are going to let you down. And they don't want the teacher to hate them. I've heard that so many times. Make sure that the student knows that if they're not going to be continuing the instrument, that you're still going to be their buddy, that you're still going to be, you're still going to like them as a person. That's really important. There are a lot of kids, I've even known situations where students will move on to middle school or high school or even college. They don't continue on their instrument and they're embarrassed to get in touch with me because they think that I'm going to be mad with them because they didn't continue with the instrument. That's so ridiculous. And I've seen it happen with with kids, not kids that, that are now 18, 19, 20 years old, embarrassed to reach out to me because they didn't continue with an instrument, even if they were really proficient. You need to accept that band is a not for all students, regardless of their musical ability. Sometimes it's just not for them. And the final thing to consider for retention, present performance opportunities for children outside of school, field trips to different types of places. When students have an opportunity to perform outside of the school setting, it doesn't matter where it is. It could be something in town. It could be at a retirement home. 
It could be at a special ceremony. It could be in a mall. It could be a, a, a festival that has students that are similar in age. Any situation that you're able to present to them to get them out of the school and performing in public, it goes such a long way. And sometimes kids will actually stick with their instruments because of that performance opportunity and remembering it and even remembering something extra that you provided. Perhaps you went on a field trip to a, a band festival and after the band festival, you took them out to lunch. They're gonna remember that trip to the restaurant and might be, a, a, it seems like a ridiculous reason for a child to continue an instrument. I've known many situations where that's been the case. You never know where this path is going to lead them. Never lose sight of the fact that playing an instrument is one of many options available for a child today. Your thing as a music teacher, your goal is to be a salesperson. Sell it. Make it the greatest thing since sliced bread. Make it exciting for them. Show them all of the fun reasons to be involved, and then everything else will just fall into place. They'll have fun, you'll have fun, and you're gonna have a thriving program that everyone can be proud of. I hope that these ideas for recruitment and retention are ones that you'll consider. Uh, there are a lot of things that I have not included in this particular uh, podcast episode that I'm more, I'd be more than happy to provide uh, materials to you. Uh, I've been doing this for 20 years. It's been, it's one of my specialties, and I'm very proud to say that a lot of the materials I've used have been, well, they've, they're, they're being used in school districts all across the country. Uh, and they're not just things that I've come up with myself. Recycling ideas is never a bad, a bad thing, and I don't try to claim like I know everything, but I have done a lot of things through trial and error that simply work. And uh, I hope that this information is helpful to you. I wish you all the best in your coming school year with your bands, with your orchestras, whatever the case may be. And uh, good luck with you with your instrumental music program.